It's time to raise the roof for our 12th off-season podcast. It's crazy that we've done 12 of these, and I think this is our second or third. Actually, this is our second of the new year. Um, so, again, crazy stuff going on. 2021 is here. Uh, the news is rolling in for the Rays, and things are very exciting about that. Uh, right now, uh, it is me. Uh, so, Alex and Evan are on the pod today. Uh, fortunately, Gibby is not here. He will be uh, with us on the next podcast, so stay tuned for that. And, of course, our special guest. And our special guest this week is is Hannah Watkins. If you don't know who she is, I believe it's MLB underscore Hannah on Twitter. Am I, yes, am I correct it is. Yes. So if you don't follow Hannah on Twitter, what are you doing? Go follow her on Twitter. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, more about her later. But quickly, Hannah, how are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. How's everything going? Thank you for having me. Um, I'm doing really well. I actually just moved to the Tampa area in October. So I'm excited to like finally be like, I guess, a hometown race fan. So it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> That's good. That actually, it's actually quite convenient that you happened to move to the Tampa area in October because according to an article that just came out from the Tampa Bay Times today going into the 2021 season the Tampa Bay Rays will be having uh, fans at games at Tropicana Field there will be uh, I think it's 28 percent capacity of the Trops so for those that don't know the fixed capacity currently is 25,000 so 28 percent of that is about 7,000 fans pods of two to four and that's going to change. And I think they're also going to open up the upper deck so that they can have fans up there. So maybe the fixed capacity will change. But hearing that news, how do both of you feel about that coming into 2021? So I like the pod idea because I think it's pretty much similar to what Emily Arena had for the Raptors at the beginning of the season. My only concern about it is because I actually looked at this pod idea back when the Raptors were playing because I was hoping to see them play the Celtics um, a few weeks ago. I did not. But um, the issue with the pods I have is usually you can only buy two or four tickets. I'm a single woman and I would prefer just to buy a ticket for myself. So the problem with I have with the pods is there's usually not a one ticket option to go by yourself. So if they were to do the pods, I would like there to be like a one person option just so like single people can have the option to go and not just be staying at home because I, at least I know for me personally, I don't necessarily want to pay uh, twice the price uh, basically is what's happening. If you pay for it, like a pod, if you just pay for yourself, it's one, but you're paying for two people. So it's like, you have to bring somebody, but mm -hmm. that's just my personal opinion on the matter. Yeah. I mean, I like that we're bringing fans back. Um, obviously I hope they do it and I trust them to do it. And it like a very safe, um, just making sure everybody's safe, the fans, the workers there, like the ushers there, the concession stand workers there, um, and the players. Um, I mean, they shouldn't really be affected by, like, fans because they're not that close with the fans. But, I mean, you never know. Um, I think it'll be good for the players to get back in just a normal, semi-normal environment, um, especially despite, like, how good this team was last year. They couldn't kind of celebrate it with any fans in the stands until the World Series. Um but yeah, I think that's a good number. I think 7,000 is typically around what other like leagues and other kind of teams are doing. I think the NFL is around there. Um, it might be a little more than the NFL. I think the NFL is maybe 25% capacity. I'm not 100% sure about that. But um, yeah, I mean, the national championship um, in football had fans. Um, so And I was also in Florida. So it depends on states definitely too. But I, I do like that we're bringing fans back. Just make sure it's in a very like safe manner yeah i'm with i'm with both of you on this one i so um it's actually funny because 
probably like an hour and a half before the recording of this pod, I went with my girlfriend to Top Golf. And I think that that's actually like a really good comparison for this. So for those that don't know what Top Golf is, it's basically like a driving range, but it's like oh, a lot more fun than a driving range. You're missing out if you don't yeah. know what Top yeah. Golf is. Top Golf is, is so fun. I was also afraid that I was going to like lose the golf club half the time that I was swinging. <laughs> so I was just like in my head being like, don't lose the golf club. You're going like, to mess up. And then that like don't, ruined my swing. Don't let go, please. Like, yeah, no, I don't want to let go. <laughs> but yeah, basically it's just like a driving range and there's, it's a little bit more to it where there's like different, like, like you, you, you basically are competing with a bunch of people in, in a, in whatever group you're in um, to score the most points. There's like targets on the on the driving range uh that you can try to hit in order to get more points and things like that but the way that they did that is actually you know really interesting and like they're still able to 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 function as if you know as normal as they can be uh because they just put barriers up in between people and then people can just kind of do it regularly and it's i would assume kind of a similar thing to what would be going on at the trop i know obviously you know the trop being in a dome that's not open air but also they are having fans at arenas across the country. So it's not like the trop would be the first example of like a closed, you know, like a fixed roof stadium having fans in it. Because I also, I mean, uh, you know, like technically Dallas is, is a dome. If you want to think about that, I know it's, I know it's retractable roof, but like the cow, you know, AT&T stadium is a dome most of the time. And I mean, even the world series, the world series, like, you know, several of the games were played with the roof closed. So, you know, it's been done before. So as long again like like you guys are saying as long as it's done you know with health and safety protocol in mind that's the best way for this to work you know for this to for this to function properly and it can still be an exciting thing like like for example top golf it's the same experience as you would have at any other time there's just you have to wear masks you have to be more careful on things again with baseball it's still the same experience that you've always had it's just you need to wear masks you need to be safe around people you need you need to basically like stay in your seat just not wander around all the time but i think that's a good thing because then that makes you focus on the baseball because why the heck did you buy a ticket to go to a baseball game if you're not going to try to watch the baseball game like like you're there to enjoy baseball You're, you're you're there to enjoy the raids which i think will also help get more people engaged in the actual games themselves. And I think maybe that's something that not a lot of people are thinking of, which I think could be a positive about this, but also we need to make sure that, you know, first and foremost, that safety is of the utmost concern for this. Definitely. And it, it is kind of interesting to um, think what to do with the race tank. Cause I mean, personally, I've never been to the trop, um, but obviously the race tank is like a very kind of popular tourist def- like destination when you go to the trop. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I wonder if they're gonna like close that down because aren't you able to like touch the the stingrays in the tank and I feel like that probably isn't the most sanitary thing to do well, right now. I will say this at um I do I don't remember if they get their like rays from either Zoo Tampa or the Florida Aquarium, but I did go to Zoo Tampa a few months ago. Um I had a mask on and everything. I followed the protocol and whatnot. But their touch tank was actually open, but they were limiting the amount of people that were allowed to go in at like a certain time. So it's possible, but I really don't know. But I was also the first one of the day at the touch tank. So I like did my little, I visited my rays and it was actually the day, it was fun, it's funny, it was actually the day of one of the World Series games and I got bit by a stingray there. And I was like, oh, it's good luck. Ended up being for bad luck, but <laughs> it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, that. So I, I guess maybe they'll keep it open. Um, Possibly. Yeah. yeah. I'm just wondering, so because there's a bunch of other things that, and I'm sure that 
other stadiums have done this now thinking about it because the 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 trop was also one of the first places in the country in terms of sports stadiums that went cashless so like you you could only use Ooh. a credit card or debit card to go in yeah. and i'm wondering now i mean that's actually a plus that they did that yeah, because i'm definitely. sure a lot of other stadiums are doing the exact same thing and i mean money in a non-pandemic world is one of the most disgusting things you can touch like cash is one of them has a ton of germs on it anyways so yeah that definitely i mean it's definitely going to be a smoother process that we've already done that if other, if like other stations or stadiums are planning to do that like go cashless it is nice that we already have like kind of a system down to kind of tackle that issue yeah that was a good point though yeah yeah so it'll i mean it'll be interesting i i so for I, I guess for all three of us, and we can talk about this because um, Han, it already seems like, I mean, regardless of the fact that you would want to go to a game, if, if it was, if everything was, if everything was safe, like, like they did the right things, you know, basically in order to ensure the safety of the people that, that, that were going to the games it, right now with everything going on, uh, would you feel comfortable going to a baseball game? Just, you know, regardless of race or not, would you feel comfortable going to a baseball game right now? Well, I'm a little different because I have already had COVID. So like, I do have the antibodies still, but like, I think even, even if I hadn't had COVID, I think I, I would be comfortable with it. Cause I do trust, I trust like the stadium operations and just the people involved in making those decisions and making sure that it's safe. But I mean, I, I completely understand why some people wouldn't like, I'm not, but personally, yes, I would feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, um, I'd really have to think about it, um, especially yep. because it's a closed in space. Um, I have a chronic illness um, that does make me more susceptible if I were to get the virus. So I'd really have to think about it. But um, I just hope that everybody that does go continues to like wear a mask, stay safe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I so I, I haven't had it yet, thankfully. But just to like in what I've, you know, like in the experiences that I've had in the pandemic, it feels really weird to sit inside of a restaurant and do things like I was fine with Top Golf because it's an outside environment. I, I don't think that I would necessarily feel like amazing if I went to, you know, like a game inside. So like what the trop is like, I think I would feel way more comfortable if I was going to a Phillies game, which is the closest you know stadium to me. I, I, I would feel way more comfortable with that because it's an open air stadium. So like that would just make me feel a little bit comfortable. I think it would take me a little bit with the raise to go to a game at the trop. I would, if it was like, I guess it just, the situation depends, but you know, I would feel much more comfortable with an open air uh, stadium than, than a fixed roof or just like retractable roof stadium. Yeah. Um, I wonder how like the air, I guess like filter rate filtering would be like there. Like, I wonder how they, if they, first of all, do that. And second of all, how they would like maybe improve that in terms of, since it is a no closed in stadium. No, uh, yeah, that's a, I wonder that how they would do that. No yeah, that clue. is a good question. I don't know. Cause I, I yeah, no, I know airplanes, like I know like the drops on an airplane, but I know like airplanes are like recycling their air every like two minutes or something. Yeah. The, but, like, I feel like the technology to do that would be for the chop would be like a lot of money, but then again, like I know nothing about like tech, that kind of technology. So I really can't speak on the matter. Yeah. That, that's what actually brought, I was like kind of compare that's through in my head. I was kind of comparing the drop to an airplane and yeah, the airplanes are more, I guess, more compact closed in. Yeah. It's more people in a more in a smaller space than the drop would be, but it is a good question to think about how they would like kind of improve their air filtering. Yeah. That is air true. quality. That is true. That is true. 
But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's a couple months out from what's going to happen, so we'll see what happens. But exciting news, nonetheless, for those that want to go to games. And and hopefully it'll end up being a good thing with people going to the chop and it'll be a safe enough environment uh, for the season. The other Definitely. news for those that know the Rays beat, follow the Rays beat in terms of you know people that cover the team. Uh, Juan Toribio has been covering the Rays for the last few years for MLB.com. And on Twitter today, he just said that he's going out to LA, going to the West Coast, and he's going to start covering the Dodgers for MLB.com. So it's actually quite funny because obviously the Dodgers beat the Rays in the World Series. Juan's been great on the beat. We actually, we got to, we had the opportunity to talk with him maybe like a week, week and a half ago. He's a really, really nice guy. He was extremely supportive of what, of what we're trying to do at the network, you know, um, with, with the Raise the Roof network. So that was, that was really cool to see. It sucks that he's leaving now. So like, you you know, we, he didn't get to see more and maybe he'll come on for a podcast in the future. Um, hopefully we'll be able to do that, but it sucks to see someone leave the beat because obviously Topkin's been on the beat for so long. So it sucks to see Juan leave the beat. For those that want to know who's going to be coming on as the new beat writer for the Rays from OB.com, it's going to be Adam Barry, who used to cover the Pirates from OB.com, is now covering the Rays coming down to Tampa. But it's, I don't know if we want to like you know, talk about this in depth. It just, it's, it's one of those things because we're used to players coming and going because that's just how the Rays operate. I don't know if it's the same thing in terms of writers, because obviously you know, some, it's a lot easier for someone to stay on a beat for much longer than what a player is. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just, it, it sucks that he's, it sucks that he's gone. Cause he was a really, really nice guy on the beat. And, um, and he was, and he was, he was, he was gracious enough to give up some of his time to talk to us. So uh, I wish him well, I wish him well in LA. I know he's going to have a lot of fun, but. Yeah. I mean, you ha- I'm happy for the guy. I'm going to miss him. I, I wasn't, I didn't read too much of his stuff. I was more of kind of a Mark Topkin, Tampa Bay times kind of raise reader, but I mean, I've heard really, really good stuff about him. I did follow him on Twitter, so I got a lot of news from him on Twitter. I mean, you can't blame him at all for taking this opportunity. It's a, I mean, the Dodgers, I mean, they speak, that speaks for themselves in terms of just like publicity. He's going to get a lot more publicity on his articles, on just his name in general. And I can't, you can't fault him for that at all. I really, I'm, I hope him the best in LA and I'm looking forward to reading, reading, what was the new guy's name? Uh, Adam Barry. He used Adam to, Barry. He, yeah, Barry. He used to cover the Pirates or MLB.com. Now he's oh. obviously the Rays B writer. Well, I'm looking forward to reading his takes on things and his articles too. It's like a train. The Dodgers are just fleecing us, so then we fleece the Pirates. And then the we Pirates. fleece the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we fleece yeah. the I mean, hey, if it works, it works. Hey, everyone. Alex here. I'm just quickly interjecting as I'm editing this podcast on Sunday afternoon. I kind of rambled a bit at this point. So to kind of succinct everything up, basically, once we finished our discussion on Ray's news, we went over to asking Hannah some questions about her story as a Ray's fan before we went into the main part of this episode, which is speaking about the crossroads of mental health and baseball. We will be linking different resources that you, our listeners and followers, if you guys are experiencing any mental health issues or problems of the sort, can check out in a thread below the tweet where we link episode 12 on our Twitter account. If you guys don't follow our Twitter account, we are Raise the Roof TV, RTRTB are all capitalized. So please check us out there. Also, we wanted to make sure to mention this for future podcasts that if you guys have any comments, questions, or ways that we can make this podcast better, please DM us at our Twitter account or email the podcast at our Gmail account, Raise the Roof TV, all lowercase, at gmail.com. And we will make sure to read all of them and kind of adjust what we're doing accordingly. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to us again. Thanks so much for listening to this. And let's get back to our 12th off-season episode of Raise the Roof. 
Hannah, how has your time as a Rays fan been? Because I know that you lived in Georgia for a little bit. So obviously that's Braves country. How was it like, well, first off, when did you really become a Rays fan? And how was it like being a Rays fan in a sea of Braves fans? Um, I'm not going to lie. So um, I did kind of become a Rays fan to try to spite my, uh, so I have a twin brother and he, he was a huge Braves fan and he still is. But like when I first got into baseball, I did not realize like, I think I was like maybe 10 or 11. I didn't know that there was like different divisions and whatnot. And so having grandparents in Tampa, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a race fan just to spite my twin. And then, so it kind of started from there. And then I used to, my grandpa used to take us to game, me and my twin brother to games uh, when we would come visit. And then really the race have been there for me, like during really like good times and really bad times. And, but I will say being a Rays fan and a sea of Rays fans is crazy because they're all like very shocked to find out. They're like, why the Rays? Who's the Rays? But I mean, there's good Braves fans and bad Braves fans, but the ones that would interact with me would not be the nicest. They'd be like, you know, they'd be like, oh, you're just a Rays fan because you don't know baseball or basically stuff on that nature because I was a female. So that's basically what it was like growing up in Braves country. It's kind of weird that they would say you don't know anything as a Rays fan when the Rays community really seems like one of the most in-tune fan communities in the sport. There are not many like... They're not many like half-hearted race fans. I feel like I feel no, like you're either no. a race fan or you're not. Like, yeah. like it's not like like no offense, but I feel like the Yankees have kind of a lot of half-hearted like people from New York who just aren't that much into baseball. Not no disrespect for the Yankees at all, but I feel like there are a lot of people from New York and they like kind of half-heartedly like baseball, so they like kind of choose the Yankees like, and they're like, yeah, I I like the Yankees, but like not a huge fan. I feel like there really aren't that many people that like the Rays like that. And the Braves are the same way. There's a lot of people that don't follow baseball, but because they live in the South, if they see like the Braves logo, they're like, oh yeah, I'm a Braves fan. We're definitely pulling for the Braves because that's the Southern team. But yeah. That's it's like, that's yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't name like five players though. I they also blew a three-run lead in the NLCS this year. It's not, yeah. not good. <laughs> not good. I mean. Not going to but- lie, I did enjoy the downfall a little bit, but you know, that's just me being petty. There's nothing wrong with being petty. When did things really manifest in terms of you really growing into the fan base, becoming a fan? Around what time did that really start growing for you? I believe I was 13, 12, 13. I was going through a really, really hard time um, just being in an area that wasn't as accepting as people who were different than them. Mm -hmm. and basically one of the only things that would bring me joy would be like I had um I think it was I can't remember what the cell phone was but it was like one of those really like old phones but I'd get text notifications from the ESPN app and they would say oh this player hit a home run and this player did this and the Rays are winning or whatnot but I remember one night which was like I was maybe the most sad I had ever been I was just ready to just cry my eyes out and I get an ESPN notification that Sam Fold, who was Jewish like me, so I felt a connection instantly, um, had hit a home run and the game was on ESPN. And for those who don't know, the Rays are blacked out in um, Georgia. So if you want to watch them, you have to have MLB TV. And as a 13-year-old, I was poor and could not afford MLB TV. So this was my opportunity to watch. So I felt like, oh my goodness, everything's lining up. I'm supposed to be watching them at this moment. And it kind of, that was like kind of the moment where it all kind of sunk in for me. 
we keep talking about Sam Fold. Now the current general manager of the Phillies. The dude's a legend. The dude. I'm so he's, happy for him. I really am. He's a superhero. He's a legend. He was great on the Rays. That's really awesome that he was able to, you know, help you out of those tough situations. So since you moved to the area at the perfect time when it came to the Rays 2020 playoff run, how was it like experiencing what was going on in Tampa, the Tampa Bay area, St. Pete during that time? Oh my goodness. I was so excited. I've maybe like, I did cry. T- I'm not going to lie. It cried tears of joy when we made it into the world series, but I mean, it felt really hype. I mean, because of COVID um, I didn't necessarily go to things that I probably would have if COVID was not around. So like I didn't go to any like watch parties or anything like that, which probably would have been amazing. But just the atmosphere in general, like when you'd walk into the store, you'd see like go raise things and I would just smile and I'd be like, oh, those are my boys. <laughs> and I was just so I happy. I feel that. What about games? How often were you getting down to the trop for games? Were you going to spring training, minor league affiliates, anything of the like? I'd pretty much go to a race game once a year, usually during spring break when I would come visit my grandparents. And then they moved in, I think, 2016. And after they moved in 2016, I have not been to a race game since. So it's been a very long time. And I tried to supplement with going to, I'm going to call them Mets games at the Braves stadium. And, you know, they did work a little bit, but they weren't my, they're not the Rays. So I'm hoping eventually to get back to the stadium when everything is calmed down with the virus and whatnot. But I'm Mm -hmm. really excited to finally be in Rays territory and in an area where I feel like I belong. (laughs) Yeah, I completely understand. I completely understand that. I envy that sometimes. Yeah, it sucks not it sucks as you not do as you do probably. T- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's I mean, there's there's things that are nice about living in my area. But then, you know, one of the big things is not having the rays nearby, which is just the worst thing ever. But you know, it it, it is what it is. Hopefully, I'll get down there soon. And I'll be able to get to more games. Makes it more fun to where we live, though. It does. It, it does make it up. It does, it does make it a lot more fun. You can make things a lot more fun like that. This season, Hannah, from, you know, how you experienced it, what were your emotions like with how, I mean, obviously you said you cried tears of joy after they won the pennant. How was the, how was this season like for you? Was it very much like a roller coaster of emotions? It was, I'm going to be honest. I was pretty nonchalant about the whole thing until September because I was very worried that somebody was going to get COVID on the team and get everybody sick. And I was really more worried about the player's health Mm -hmm. than the team winning in general. So I was like, you know what, whatever happens, happens. But as soon as I guess the playoff first started coming, I'm like, oh yes, I got more into the fact that they're, they're going to be okay and they're going to do wonderful things. And so that's kind of how it went this season, which is not necessarily a normal season for me, which is a roller coaster of emotions, but I was just more concerned at the time of the players' health and the players' safety than them actually winning, which sounds terrible. But anyways, I'm glad that they did really well because I was nervous Nally making concern that they were going to get sick. <laughs> I completely, I, I, I think that a lot of people were feeling the exact same way that you were because that's the last thing that we wanted to happen to hinder the season was, was for anyone to get sick. And luckily there weren't that big of cases that, you know, we had to deal with as, as race fans for the team. So that was good. You're quite active on Twitter with how everything has gone. When did you start? When did Twitter start for you? When did that, when did that really evolve into what it's become now? And how have you come into the race fan base and how have you come into the race Twitter community? Um, I think I started on Twitter 
around so i i guess i illegally started on twitter because i was um 12 at the time and i think at the time i may have been like a webkins account or something like i don't know it was not baseball related but i do know as i got into high school i did change my account and i became the Rays goddess and that's kind of how i got into the Rays fandom and i was the Rays goddess up until july this year where twitter kind of had a panic on me and found out that i made the account illegally at when i was 12 years old because you had to be 13 so they suspended my account for a month and so i made another account with um the tag mlb underscore hannah and um i started on that account for a little bit and then a month later twitter gave me my account back and I was like, okay, so I'm going to just change my name to um, MLB Hannah to match so people know. And that's kind of my new MLB, that, that's kind of my new Twitter name, but I, I'm still the biggest Rays fan. But I just felt like it kind of can encompass everybody because I, I mean, I love the Rays the best. They're my boys, but I'm not going to lie. I have crushes on other teams, but they're just not my number ones. <laughs> yeah, I completely understand that. Because we have Hannah here, I thought that this was the perfect episode to kind of take a closer look at what mental health is like in the realm of baseball, not only for those that are actually playing the game, but for also for those that are fans of the game, like all of us, like other people in the race community, like other people that are just baseball fans in general. And I know that obviously mental health has been something, and it still is today, a topic that is very not 100% widely accepted. It's become a lot more accepted in recent years, but it's still kind of a taboo subject in certain areas and parts of the world and of the country in different states and regions. I personally have some mental health things that I've been going through and I'm still going through. I know, Hannah, you also have been dealing with some things. I don't know, Evan, if you're dealing with anything or know anyone who hasn't, we can talk about that in a little bit. But Hannah, starting with you, when did you first start to realize that maybe there were some things going on, some mental health issues that you were dealing with? And how long did it really take you to tell anyone or seek any sort of help since the world of mental health has been such a taboo subject for quite a while? Well, I started, I guess my mental health, like, I guess, started, issues started when I was pretty young. So I was like 12, 13, and I did not I mean, and it was still back, it was 10 years ago, it's crazy to think about that, but it was at a time where you really didn't speak if you had mental health issues. And so I, part of me was almost ashamed about it because I felt like I was bringing everybody down with me when I didn't want to be, like I couldn't help that I was having, being, I was anxious and depressed, but I felt like I was making my parents anxious and depressed, my brother and everybody else in my family anxious and depressed because I was. So I felt very ashamed about it for the longest time. And it wasn't until recently when I finally kind of accepted that there was not, there's nothing I can do. And um, I shouldn't be ashamed of my issues. But over, I guess it's been 10, I guess my 10 year journey with mental health issues. I've been to the therapist and therapy does help. I do love talking to somebody about really anything. I'm just a huge chatter, but I've found going to therapy helping. Um, I will say I am, I'm open when I say this, I am on medication for it. And a lot of people aren't open necessarily about talking about it, but I feel like that it's not talked about enough that there is medication out there to help people. If you feel like you can't necessarily get there through therapy, therapy or other ventures because it's it, that part of it I feel like is still pretty taboo is just like opening up and saying yeah I do take medicine to help my mental health and it does help me 
but I'm just hoping that maybe me sharing my struggles will um, help somebody else out there say, you know what, it's okay that I'm feeling this way. It's okay to ask for help. And it's okay if I need to take this medicine for me to feel better and to be a productive uh, like member of society or like, or seem normal to everybody else, if that makes sense. I mean, mm -hmm. even though there's really not a normal, but like just be able to function. Yeah. Evan, going to you. So have you yourself dealt with any mental health issues or know anyone who has dealt with anything? And also, what is your take on kind of the state of where mental health is and talking about it is right now in this country? You know, what it's like in this country. Personally, I mean, you always have, I mean, that's just, that's just the way life is, is that you always have ups and downs. I mean, it depends on who's there for you. And I mean, I have a great supporting group, so I never really like have had that many mental health issues and not, I wouldn't really say that many people around me have that either, because I think that since we're, since me and like my family and like my college friends and my home friends are like very close, I think we can, we're comfortable like saying what we're going through um, mm -hmm. with each other. And that does help because not specifically with my family, but like with your college friends and with your home friends, you're most likely going through somewhat similar things, mm -hmm. whether it be stress from homework, stress from internships, just like kind of relationship things, um, just other kind of just casual drama that's like kind of stupid in, in the yeah. long run, but like it, you think that it means a lot at that time. So like, I think it is easy for like college students to just, I guess, um, relate to, I guess, to mm -hmm. like most of everybody else's problems. But um, it, I mean, as a whole, mental health has definitely, I feel like there's definitely been more awareness to it in the last, I would say, three or four years. There's definitely been more like kind of, I guess, f fundraisers for mental health. I don't know. It just, it just definitely seems like there's a uptick in attention to mental health issues now than there was, let's say, like seven or eight years ago. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the little things, like whenever you go, we get down, like just a nice, like, talk with your sister or brother, mom, dad, whatever. Um, personally, I like to listen to music whenever I get down. I think music helps me a lot. But yeah, I mean, that's my kind of story. I know that wasn't much, but yeah. There's there's definitely a lot to that because I mean, I mean, what you said, uh, you know, a lot of people are going through the same things, especially in college. Like, like your group of friends, for the most part, is usually going through a lot of similar stuff. So having that support group of people that are going going through the same thing and can speak on it is really is really helpful. I know for me specifically, so I think I'm becoming a lot more open to the idea of taking medicine for my mental health. So it's something that I now really understand the positive effects that it can have for someone taking it. I'm not all the way there just because I want to be able to try to deal and combat this without the need to take medicine, but it's become much more of an option now in my head compared to maybe a year or two ago. One of the biggest things for me has been going to a therapist because I know that that was Going to a therapist for me has been one of the most helpful things just to have someone, you know, like Hannah was talking about, had to have someone to talk to about different issues that are going on and to be able to open up someone and know that they are going to listen to you and they're going to be receptive and they're going to try to help you out as much as possible. That's been extremely helpful for me. And I know, especially, you know, as things have gone on in college, you know, college can be a really, really stressful time. And if there's other things that are then piled on to that along with college, it then gets more stressful. So having, having people to help you out, having a support group to help you out, but also having therapists and or other, you know, mental health professionals to help you out. That's an extremely, extremely important thing that, that I've experienced. And I'm sure many others have experienced. I wanted to ask both of you, 
do you think that there's still a big stigma around mental health, even though things have very much opened up in terms of the awareness for it, you know, how much research has gone into it? Do you still think that there is still quite a big stigma surrounding it? I think in the older generation, so like, basically, I think it's Gen X and the baby boomers, I think there's still the huge stigma about it. Whereas with the younger generation, Gen Z, and even millennials, I feel like they're more open and receptive to the idea that mental health is actually a real thing. And you can get you, you can't control it, but you can get help for it, if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, I mean, it, there's definitely like, a stigma. I, I don't, I, I personally don't know, like, whether it's like the demographics, like, if you're older, you kind of have more of a stigma, but stigma. But um, I mean, the fact that some people like are scared to come forward with their mental health illness kind of just proves that there's still a stigma. Because if there wasn't, I mean, there's been there would be no really harm, I guess, into coming forward about those issues. Um, but yeah, I guess it's kind of sad that that does happen. Um, and I think that we are on a good track to kind of erase that stigma. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I do think that there still is a stigma. And hopefully, hopefully it will continue to get better in terms of there being less of one. But I still think we are at that point and things are going to get better. But right now, for what things are, they are a lot better, but there is still a stigma, at least in my opinion. Relating this back to sports and specifically baseball, there have been a lot of athletes in recent years who have become a lot more open about their struggles and battles with mental health. The biggest one probably being Cleveland Cavaliers star Kevin Love. However, there have been quite a few baseball players who have gone on the injured list and or have been open about their own mental health jerseys. Some recent players include Cincinnati Reds first baseman Joey Votto and Houston Astros starting pitcher Zach Greinke. A few former notable names in the 21st century include former Florida Marlins and Detroit Tigers starting pitcher Dontre Willis and former San Diego Padres shortstop Khalil Green. Why do we think that now more than ever players are coming out and talking about mental health as opposed to several years ago? And how good is it to see that players are finally becoming more open to the idea of talking about their own struggles publicly? Also, do we wish that this had happened years ago? And regardless of that fact, is it still nice to see that the tide is changing in sports? I think it's a little bit of both, I guess. I mean, you feel for the people who were playing in the early 2000s who were too scared to come forward about their mental health issues mm-hmm. i mean i think it probably could have happened earlier but um i mean better late than never i guess maybe that doesn't apply to this case but like it's definitely i mean it's on it like i said earlier it's on a good track um mm-hmm. sure it might have been overdue um which does stink for the players like i said kind of that played 30 plus years ago um even 20 plus years ago honestly even 10 plus years ago but um i don't know i think we're on a good track especially well right now it's kind of kind of been under the rug since everybody's kind of focused on COVID and such but um once that's done I think there'll be a kind of resurrection of attention towards net mental health and I mean within the next 10 years I think especially what we've done with the last 10 years in terms of mental health awareness I think we could do another great 10 years and add on to that in the future. Yeah um, I think that personally I think it did take a very long time for um basically anybody to come out and speak about their mental health I do even though the stigma was very and there's still a stigma Mm -hmm. but even though it was still very um taboo to talk about it like even 10 years ago but I'm just sitting here thinking of basically like as a kid if I had you know that baseball role model or any kind of role model that I could look up to and say you know they're going through similar things that I'm going through but you know they're 
successful and they're making it so I could too I would have loved to have seen that at an earlier age but um at the moment I am very happy that there are more people coming out and sharing their experiences because if anything it helps other people and that's basically the most important part of this message for me at least yeah that's a good point like yeah role models are like they're huge in terms of little kids and especially people who are like it's I feel like I mean I don't want to make a judgment because I've never I haven't gone through it but like I feel like what helps during mental health is you see other people like you get to where they're going and like it kind of motivates you kind of like any I mean just any good story I guess and um, I think that's a really good point uh, Hannah and just you see that person who you kind of want to take yourself after just idolize and you're like okay they're going through similar things than I am then if they can do it like why can't I and I think that's a good point. Relating this topic now specifically to the raise, the COVID-19 pandemic has taken a toll on most and has been a major adjustment period for so many people, not only in the raise community, but also across the country and across the world. It's been nice to see what the raise have been doing with Mental Health Mondays, where the team's mental skills coach, Justin Sua, has put out videos on the raise social media channels on different ways to help improve your mental health during everything that's going on. First, talking about the pandemic, how was it from a mental health standpoint for both of you? And along with that, how much did it help to have the Rays back and be able to watch baseball in some capacity? Well, basically, it was pretty rough until I had the opportunity, for me at least, till I had the opportunity to move to the Tampa area. Not only had I graduated college in the middle of a pandemic, but I had to move back home to a town that I did not feel welcome or comfortable in. And then on top of that, you're applying to all these jobs and they're saying, you know, you can't, we can't, you're great, but we can't have you because of ABC, XYZ. And so it really puts a damper on your spirits, but the race coming back really did help in some aspects because it gave me something to focus on other than the constant rejection that I would receive from jobs. And then the negative feelings I'd feel or the anxiety I would feel being back in a town state area that I knew I was just not accepted in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, quarantine was, I mean, definitely unique. It had, obviously a lot of people have a negative connotation to it just because how weird it was, how non, just how un, like, just how unnormal it was. I don't even know if that's a word, but um, I mean, I personally, like, yeah, it did stink. Like being in college is definitely like more fun, I guess, than being at home. But like, I mean, it was, it's good to spend time with your family because you don't really get that much of that in college. And it's kind of cool. It was kind of nice to, and I mean, not to mention school was a hell of a lot easier at home, but, Mm -hmm. um, so that stress was kind of nice to get alleviated from myself, but I mean, definitely three months without sports was one of the hardest things. I mean, that's kind of a joke, but like that I've ever done, like that was a very, that really sucked. Um, I do like, I mean, I love every sport I watch every, every day I kind of plan when I want to watch sports games and like when, and like I come home seven o'clock is typically when sports start. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, I want to watch this game. But during quarantine, it was like, Oh, wow. No, mine's not. But um, it did stink though. Cause like you, we were, I mean, this is a very small, um, I guess mishap from the whole concept of things, but it did stink not to be able to see like your college friends throughout the whole time. But it, it was, it was definitely better than I thought. I can't believe that was three months. First of all, it definitely kind of seemed like it was longer Mm-hmm. Um, but I won't complain about quarantine like a lot of other people were will just because how like it was nice to be around family, obviously safely. It did. I mean, it did have it. It did stink for sometimes, but it wasn't as bad as I think other people th- thought it was. I yeah. did enjoy being quarantined with my 
family. I will say that that did help me. The location was not ideal. It did help me. It was kind of peaceful. Like I know how hectic it was. Like I'll never forget. Like because I was supposed to go to uh, Miami for spring break, and our spring break kind of aligned right when everything kind of went downhill. Like right when the the day that Rudy, Rudy Gobert kind of tested positive is kind of when it all turned. I feel like I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people agree with that. But um, yeah, yeah. And then the week after we were supposed our spring break, Maryland spring break was that week. So we were supposed to go and it was just hectic because everybody like kind of canceled at the last minute. And so I had to find a, like I had to fly home and it was just hectic, but it was, I think it wasn't as bad as people thought it was. Yeah. It's definitely been a weird time, but I think that for me, not having sports was tough, especially, you know, in the field that I'm trying to go into sports journalism, not having sports for three months kind of is bad not only for me trying to watch it but also me trying to get a job because like no sports to cover means like no jobs so yeah not not exactly the most ideal thing but a a lot of good things did come did did come from it and it was nice once the race came back you know just to have that even though it was a weird season and it wasn't a full season it was nice to have it back so along the race community the twitter side of it hannah I, i don't know how much being involved in the community talking with other people has helped you out. I mean, like, have you been able to find other race fans who have been going through the same things as you have been either through, you know, group tests that you're in on Twitter or other social media platforms that you're in? Like, like how much has the community, how much has the race community really helped you in, in terms of what you've been going through and especially over these last few months? Well, I'm in an all girl um, race fan group. I guess it's a DM group. What's it called? I guess group chat. Sorry. Group threat group chat through twitter tms called the mcclana sands and like i don't know i just love it because we're always it's pretty much like a little sorority but like minus the craziness everybody's always there for each other it really feels sisterly and i mean we do talk about race but we also talk about other things and like real life issues and it's just been so amazing to have such a strong set of women just to be able to turn to during this time and so i'm really thankful to be a part of that group uh, Hannah, you you mentioned like earlier, like obviously like therapy and medication helped a lot. Like what, I mean, maybe listeners that are listening right now, um, like maybe they're going through similar things. Like what else kind of, I guess less formal, maybe like help with your mental health, like maybe like going outside or something like that, or like just watching a Rays game, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. So for me, it was watching Rays games. Um, I'm also musically inclined to, att- I don't like to admit it, but I am. So a lot of times I would just jump in the shower and start singing because, and and pray to God that nobody heard me, even though everybody's like, oh, you know, you're really good, but like, I'm shy. I didn't want to risk that, but just being able to like, I guess, get my emotions out in like that way, just like through music or even just walking outside with my dog or even just watching a race game that did help a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Music. Uh, yeah. Music. I think I mentioned this earlier, but music also helps me a lot. But music that's... is a big thing. I, I know for me, music. for me, it's been a lot of walking. Like I've just taken walks because, you know, it's just nice to get outside and not be stuck inside all day. It, it really just like helps you clear your mind. Like I put on a podcast, listen to an album. And also a big thing for me was I, I usually call up my friends as I'm walking. So I'll talk with them for a little bit. And obviously with quarantine going on and a lot of my friends, since I went to Maryland, a lot of my friends are a couple hours away from me living in Maryland right now. It's kind of tough to see them in person. So this is another way for me to just stay in contact with people, have friendly conversations, talk to my friends again, as if they were, you know, in the same apartment or 
right next to me. At least for me, that was something that was really nice. That I tried to take advantage of. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, whenever I like kind of go through a hard time, I play, I play basketball. So like whenever, just like go and shoot hoops helps a ton. Just being in isolation kind of with your thoughts and music. Like I said, um, I do kind of listen to a weird music genre. Um, it's like post grunge, but like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, they've got really good lyrics. Um, I don't know. It just helps a lot. And music, like people can be there for, for you, especially in college. It's tough because you're not like actually at home. So like if it's late at night, like your parents might be asleep, your siblings might be asleep. So like music is there, right. That like you can listen to music immediately. Um, I am lucky enough that my little brother does go to Maryland too, but like it, music does help when like it's late at night or something and you don't really have anybody to talk to. Yeah, definitely. A hundred percent. Definitely. Going back to that mental health program that the Rays were running during quarantine, the Rays are on the forefront of teams in MLB combating mental health with quite a large department of mental skills coaches, including the aforementioned Justin Sua. Also, most notably, Rays second baseman Brandon Lau has gone to bat for mental health, donating money to different mental health related charities and organizations for every home run he's hit during the season. What does it mean to both of you knowing the Rays are taking really big positive strides forward for mental health in the game of baseball, that they're prioritizing it as much as they have been in recent seasons? I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I am very proud of what they are doing because it takes a lot of guts to be like the forefront um, people in a um, area that's pretty stigmatized. And I'm just so proud of what they're doing. And I'm even more proud to be a race fan because of the steps they're taking to help ensure mental health. Yeah. What, honestly, what she said. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a hundred. <laughs> yeah. I'm a hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent the same way. We are really glad that we were able to have a conversation on a topic like this. So Hannah, thank you again so much for being the person to come on and give fantastic insight into what it means to deal with mental health related problems and issues. We want to make sure to keep the conversation going on this topic, so please feel free to DM us about it or reply to us under our tweet about episode 12 about what you're going through if you feel comfortable enough of talking about it to us or to your fellow race fans. We want to make sure that we're helping out those in the race community who need it most, making sure that we are supporting each other, picking each other up, and being there as a shoulder to lean on in the times that they need it most. A few quick hitters before we end up finishing this up. Favorite all-time past and present race player oh god oh no i know putting you on the spot these are these okay. are the big hitters here these are the big all hitters right. here. we're getting into the nitty-gritty <laughs> all right i want to go all time i'm going to choose sam fold for my all time okay it's um, a good pick past race player Ooh. i guess i'm gonna do david price for that because he's just the first one that popped into my mind mm-hmm Current, oh, never mind. I don't think y'all let me take my current, but my, I want to put Blake Snell as my current, but um, I guess that's like not applicable anymore. So I guess I'll put, I guess I'll put Adamas or Glass now or uh, McClanahan. I guess any of those three, but okay. it has to be those three because if I got to give up Snell, it has to be all three of them together. <laughs> I respect it. I respect that. So because you've been to the trap before, why do you think the trap gets such a bad rep? Do you think it deserves that? And what do you enjoy most about it from the experiences you've had going to games there? I think the biggest stigma is that it's completely indoors and there's no retractable roof. Um, because when you think of baseball, you think like outdoors, summertime. Uh, personally, I love it because it's 72 degrees year round. So you're not going to be sweating out in the sun. So that's, I think, my favorite part of the trop. Um, I also like that there's an outback in there because I love blooming onions. So I appreciate the outback. And so just to keep it short and sweet, that's like my 
favorite things about Tropicana Field. And then obviously the Rays play there. So that's an added. Is the that. stigma about the trap wrong though? Like, like, is it a fun place to watch a baseball game? Uh, I think it's fun because you have a close experience to the game. So no matter where you sit, you're going to be close to the field. Okay. Other people might disagree with me. Okay. But that's just my opinion. No, I respect it. I respect that. All right, last couple questions. First, a two-parter. A, do you think Wander's getting called up this year? And B, when is he getting called up? I think he will get called up, but I do not. I think it's going to be like August. I okay. feel like it's going to be more of like a late summer thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to call it up immediately. I feel like he's going to be in the in AAA for a little bit, and then he'll be called up. Like I'll, mm-hmm. I feel like he'll be there like maybe August, late July, August-ish. That's okay. what I'm and Hannah, our final quick hitter for you. What are you most excited about coming up this season for the race? I'd like to see my boys back in the World Series. Honestly, what a great way to end it because I think that we want to see them in the World Series too. Hannah, thank you so much for taking the time to come on here. If people don't follow you, again, if you don't follow Hannah, what are you doing? Where can people find you at on social media if it's just Twitter or, or, or anywhere else? Um, my Twitter and Instagram are the same. It's MLB underscore hannah so you can find me that way um my snapchat is still raised goddess so if you want to add me on snapchat it's raised goddess and that is how you can find me and thank you so much for having me i've had just a wonderful time being here today with you guys that yeah we we can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on you know and talk with us on the podcast it's been a lot of fun i know we've both enjoyed it so again hannah thank you so much and to everyone listening thanks so much for listening to the pod We are enjoying putting these episodes out more than ever for you guys, and we appreciate all of the support that you guys have given us from the bottom of our hearts. Just a few quick things before we sign off here. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RaiseTheRoofTB. The RTRTB are all capitalized. Also, follow us on Instagram, RaiseTheRoofTB. Same thing, just all, all lowercase. You can find the podcast wherever podcasts can be found, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. Make sure to stay tuned for what we have in store with the Raise the Roof Network. Our YouTube and Twitch channels will be starting up soon, as well as the Raise the Roof website, where we will be putting out some great articles and other content soon. Instagram posts are coming, so stay tuned for that as well. We're really excited for it, and we hope you are too. And from all of us, stay safe, stay healthy, please wear a mask, and raise up. Raise up. Raise up. Raise up.